1: Welcome to Jack Ramses, Danny Ring, Brandon Sprague, and uh, yeah, it's a fine, fine Sunday night, and everything technology wise just completely reset on me. I love it when it does that. It's good times. How you doing, Brandon?
2: Are we live? Or? We're live.
1: Just my video settings all just went to crap as soon as I clicked one scene change. so, hey. I'll, co- so I'll continue to change them as 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 okay. continue to fix them as we go here. Hey, they're seventeen and
2: thirteen. They're two and one on the road. Dame's closer to breaking the all-time scoring record. Ant's playing great basketball right now. Uh, I have nothing really to complain about, man.
1: I can We can come up with something, right?
2: I mean, their defense sucks. Oh, there we go. We, we can just get right to that if you want to. But, I mean,
1: uh, we'll get there eventually, I no. think. How are you doing? You said you had some, uh, some Christmas carolers coming to the house?
2: Uh, I'm doing good. It's This is a weird week for us in our industry.
1: Um, you mean the week that nobody actually works, we just show up?
2: Yeah, but next week is actually the worst week where nobody works. You'll you'll find that pretty quickly. No, it's 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 a great week. It's Christmas week. We're going into Christmas week here. I still got shopping I got to get done. And, yeah, for the first time ever, I had carolers outside of my house. Now, I have a quick question about this. Mm-hmm. One, I didn't know they were real. I, I I know they're in movies and TV shows, and I know they exist, but I've never at any one point in my life from childhood to manhood I've never had a group of carolers outside my door anywhere. Okay. Second, when we heard this noise, we opened our door. And maybe you're familiar with the caroling scene because I sure wasn't. If you, if you, because I look at the room,
1: guy that's definitely familiar with the caroling scene,
2: you strike me as a guy who's gone caroling. Not, I do sing, but no. Yeah. I. Well, yeah. I, I think back in your frosted tip, no goatee having days. You, I think you could be in the back row of caroling.
1: Come group. on, man. Let's be honest. If I'm caroling, I'm front row. Uh, well, yeah. If you're doing anything, you're you're, you're – I'm, I'm, you I'm getting top billing. I'm not, I'm not sitting in the back. Bro, you're Donald
2: Trump and people.
1: You're just <laughs> elbowing people out the way. Like, Get
2: out of my way. I'm front and center here. <laughs> Here's my question. If you open the door to carolers – Now, they're on your sidewalk, not directly in your front door. But if they're like – on your sidewalk looking in your house and you open the door to watch do you tip carolers is that a thing are you supposed to tip them like i, I don't think so it's so it's just like a volunteer yeah. voluntarily free show no guilt at all financially where i got to give you $5 no you don't
1: have to go run a 5 go get a 5 or you, it's your it's your christmas cheer that you pay them with
2: good cuz we smiled and we we waved for a second and then we shut the door Pick up son. well see you later Thank you. I sing in my house, <laughs> usually alone.
1: Uh, yeah, no, um, uh, nothing like that here. Nothing like that here. So,
2: yeah. you live out where I think it'd be more normal too. Like, yeah, here it's you know kind of normal, but where you live is like I'd imagine more normal.
1: Yeah, I mean, I live in a neighborhood like an old school neighborhood where like there's a school a block away and it's like all kids and all of that stuff and nothing. Nothing yet. I mean like we Halloween we had like ten people come to our door for and we had like, you know, the house is lit up, it's all spooky. Like not like don't come here sure. lit up, like come here lit up. Yeah. And nothing. So hmm. um, but thanks everybody for being here. We appreciate you. Like, if you subscribe, help us grow the show, share it with your friends, share us with the family, all your little family functions, friends and all those things that you come together to talk about what's going on in your life. Share the gift of Jack Ramses. Ramsey's. There you go. <laughs> I like that. Ding. Uh, you, the audio is not as butchered as you think it is. My voice is just that bad right now. Mm. Um, shout out long COVID. <laughs> it's just kind of dealing with it. Yeah. Um, they are pumping me full of all the drugs trying to get rid of it. But, um, I will say this, we have, we haven't talked since I ha- I started this regimen. They put me on, um, they put me on like three doses of steroids. And boy, let me tell you, t- 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 I have all the energy in the world. Really? Oh my god!
2: Now, when they fade, do you? What's that? Is there a is there a come down where you? No, like there's a,
1: no come down. I'm like staying up to like four in the morning.
2: That's not. No, that's that's not, not great. That's not great.
1: But yeah, no, I am jacked all the time.
2: Well, I'm glad you could bring your Ramses to our podcast. You like tonight. that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do.
1: All right, let's get into some basketball stuff because we got a. Crockload of questions. And we do. Do we do we start with the big one? Yeah. Do we start with the raptor stuff? All right, it's good. Sure. Um, Brand and I have kind of hinted at this. I don't know since August. <laughs> the idea of which team's gonna pull the plug, and we kind of loosely toss the Raptors in there, like, meh. See what happens. See what they do. It was less about them being a bad team because they weren't, like on paper. But more about do they run into a wall? Do they make a ton of sense? Their timelines don't really match up. Tell me if that sounds familiar. That's Portland, right? That's, that's a yeah. lot of some of the stuff similar stuff that they're dealing with. Um but Kevin O'Connor basically said today or a couple hours ago, you know, are do the, or should the Raptors consider blowing it up? Because they're in a a weird spot. They don't make a ton of sense. They're currently mm-hmm. thirteen and seventeen. They've lost five straight. They don't really have any path to truly figuring it out. They're three and a half games from the bottom four. And the reset they could get off of guys like Siakam, OG, Van Vliet, and Gary Trent Jr. is a hell of a haul. And Scotty Barnes is very, very, very young. And it makes sense if you're Maasai to at least consider it.
2: Well, I, I think, you know, this goes back to you mentioned when we brought up Toronto. I, I mean, that OG Blazer stuff was getting hot during the draft, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we thought there was real noise there. There was real opportunity there for them to maybe make a move. And ultimately, Mike Schmitz and Joe Cronin and company said, no, you know, we're going to stay here. We're going to pick seven and we're going to take shape. He's a great prospect with great upside. Um, if you were talking about moving OG at that point, I I didn't expect Toronto to come out and be you know, gangbusters here. I'm I'm not surprised they're 13 and 17. I think they have a lot of talent. I just, to your point, I think it lines up really odd. And there's just parts of this team that don't work with the other parts. And so Van Vliet
1: sucking has been a huge part of that.
2: Van Vliet, Van Vliet not being an NBA all-star has not been good for them. Um, I, I think it's, I think we need to start having the conversation. Like, can OG be had this year? And if he can, what's that price? What's In- that price tag?
1: And I've been talking to a few people, like, what what does the scaling look like for Pascal Siakam? What does the scaling look like for OG and Anobi? Because Mm -hmm. if they reset, they need to get rid of both those guys. Yeah. Pascal, you're talking about, that's Shaden Sharp. Right. Like, he's going to have to be included in that package. OG? Probably not. I think there's a world where you can get away with it. But... You look at a world where the team that has been kind of grabbing and hoarding all of the six foot seven, six foot eight, multi-positional basketball players—not necessarily wings or guards or forwards—they're just dudes, right? And that's something Portland just hasn't been able to firmly get a grasp on. That's, I think, a, a, something worth notice or, or, or noticing and, and going after. And you look at. Where Toronto is, you look at where Portland is, and how the salaries line up, and you could start working two and three team deals pretty easily. Pretty easily. In fact, uh, I did this one in my head earlier, and I, I was p- pretty certain off the math. Um, let me run it again real quick. Raptors, Blazers. All right. So OG, two Trailblazers, Josh Hart. Two Raptors, and ors Keon, two Raptors. And I believe that gets them there. Uh, picks-wise, we'll figure that out, but I was trying to figure out the salary. That adds $1.7 million. And why that's important is the Blazers have $67,000 between them and the luxury tax.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I think OG and Anobi is probably the line of player the Blazers would consider going over the tax for. Does okay. that sound Does that sound fair? I, I mean, yeah.
2: I mean, he's seven. He I, feels a need that you don't... Yeah. He he's a
1: near all-star. Sure. Yeah. He's one of probably the five best defenders in the league. He's your stopper. Yeah. He's a guy Dame has got on the list. Like, when you're going through everything, that's... I think that's probably the line. Like, Pascal Siakam, yeah, you go over the line. Yeah, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, if you can make it work financially. But as far as going into luxury tax, I think the level and skill of player that you're going for to go over that over that line is probably a guy like Ochi.
2: So, you know, I was talking about this on the Dallas game uh, on the live watch party.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: People were throwing out, hey, who do you think they're gonna go after? And it's like, you know, outside of some rumor mill stuff, I, I still think we gotta wait a little bit longer to see some more names pop up. But I'm almost in a spot, Danny, where I I I don't think – I think they're only going to go after one big deal. I'm not saying they won't make any moves at all. Mm -hmm. I just – when we talk about the future of this team, I think they're in an interesting position where they're 17 and 13 right now. Memphis, New Orleans, uh, Denver, uh, you know, Phoenix is still around, but nobody really trusts Phoenix. There are teams in this West right now that are good, and then there's kind of everybody else. Mm -hmm. And Portland's in an interesting spot where – is there a move big enough for them to make this year in the season to say this is when we put our chips in? This is the move that's gonna set our 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 lineup to be one of the top ones in the Western Conference. And when you go through Dame, Ant, OG, Jeremy, Nurk with GP2, maybe. I mean, dear God, please, soon, Shaden. And Trendon, whoever else you want to throw in, mm-hmm. that's a pretty good lineup. You're still and missing
1: I, some stuff, but you're you're getting you're getting, but closer. you're pretty close. Yeah. You're pretty close now. Obviously, some
2: backup size would be good. I know Drew's been a great story and been fun, and I love watching Drew Eubanks have some success mm-hmm. here. But you know, some more size would be would be you know obviously advantageous for them. But uh, that's a pretty damn good starting lineup, and one that in this Western Conference this year. I, I think scares a lot of teams. I do. I think OG in a starting lineup like that would scare would put some fear in some teams.
1: The other thing about this is when I look at Masai and his kind of dealing history. Number one, there's a Masai tax. The other part of this is does Masai want to send OG to the East? Like is that a, is that a benefit for Portland? Is that you know not having to see that guy regularly? And I and I start thinking like how huh, how does this how does this work? Like, okay. Maybe that plays an important favor, maybe not. Because you always, the one thing I always talk about with this is when you're talking about deals, it has to make sense for both sides. If you're talking about Toronto, what we know is they turned down Josh Harton number seven for OG. Okay? Number seven turned into Shaden Sharp, and I think people who've seen Shaden Sharp play would say he's probably outperforming his draft slot in expectation right now. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so, do you revisit that? I'm of mind of no. Because I still think you need to... I think you need to get the guy that makes the most sense at that three spot. And as much as I love Josh, I still see him as more of a 2-3 than a 3 And I still think Josh was probably a guy who's better with the ball in his hand more. And that's not something that happens in that starting unit. So. Right. Does getting OG make sense? Yes. Okay. That's the box for Portland. Okay. What's the box for Toronto? If you're hard resetting, you want youth and assets. Does Josh Hart really make a ton of sense for Toronto? And does Josh Hart want to be a part of a rebuild in Toronto? Probably Uh, not.
2: No. And that'd be a short-term rental anyway.
1: And what I would imagine is, and this is why I said a three-team deal, is... You include Josh, and he gets to a contender somewhere else. But in return, Toronto gets another first-round pick. Yeah. So essentially, you are trading three firsts because you're, in my theory, it's, I would say, probably Hart key on two firsts, which I I think is a bit of an overpay. I'll be fully blunt about that. Yeah. But if you're pot committed, you're pot committed. So you, you kind of weather these things out, or you weigh these things out, excuse me. So you're essentially giving up three firsts and Keon for OG. And I think if you look at that, if you're Toronto, I don't think you can say no to that, nor do I think that there are offers out there that are going to be significantly better than that. Are there going to be other offers out there? Yes, for sure. OG's a player who, Cleveland, I know would be interested. I don't know if they have the assets because they already gave up pretty much everything for Donovan Mitchell. But, you know, do they toss in okoro and dean wade and whatever picks they have left like is that better than what portland can offer probably not but i don't know what is what is toronto ultimately after
2: well i, I guess the tough question for me is um i i see both sides of that i see joe and the blazers assessing the situation and saying "OG oh, would would make a lot of sense for us He he's stylistically personality wise uh Lineup wise, game wise, all that stuff kind of lines up. I guess the, the the flip side of that is that's a lot. You're, you're giving up a lot, and yeah. is 100%. it worth is it worth mortgaging that many assets for a move now? Are you are you better served? Basically, I got to ask this: Are you are can you add more of an impact this off season that makes your team in a better position yep. than than saying we're going all in? We're getting OG despite our deficiencies in other places. And I think that's the tough thing that Joe has to balance or figure out right now is whether one is better than the other, because I, I can see the argument for both sides of this, where you say, Hey, wait till summer, see what teams open things up more. See what the
1: leverage looks like.
2: See what leverage looks like. Mm -hmm. Maybe address more of your bench step and, and glaring holes where they, they have them right now. But I can also see the other side where it's like, this city loves this team. They're fun, they're feisty, and oh my God, you've added 6-7 OG on to this thing. Holy crap, that's a hell of a starting lineup. Like, I can see mm-hmm. both sides of this. I think that's the tough part that Joe's in right now is, can I get better moves in the offseason, or is this as good as it gets?
1: Yeah, and as it pertains to, to Joe and his history and, and transactions, one of the things that we've seen is that, remember last time, at this time of year, you know, the Detroit deal for Jeremy Grant. Like, it was like, it was close. It was close. It was close. And Detroit decided, ah, we'll we'll sit this out. We'll, we'll, we'll let this go into the offseason. And Portland was fine with that. Because ultimately, when you looked at it, Jeremy was going to come here and sit on the bench anyways. So why make him pack up? Why make him move his stuff for a couple months when he can enjoy his summer? Yeah. And that could be the same case here. If Toronto knows they're going to pull the plug in the summer and they can revisit when draft picks are a little bit more certain, the closer you get to the draft, the more value they have. They could do that as well. The flip side of this is, you and I have talked about this, and Joe has been very open about this. They are going to make moves. And whether or not they make a bigger move at the deadline and then move some stuff around on the edges in the summer or they move some stuff around the edges the deadline and make the bigger moves in the summer, I think that's ultimately where this is. But I think Toronto possibly being one of those teams that goes... Was, was definitely throws a, a wrench into the system, right?
2: But if if you're Toronto, so you you look at this too, if you're Portland, right? If Toronto is pulling the trigger right now, which it seems that they are, you basically have to say, can we get OG for this price? And it's probably a bit of an ask. Or is he gonna be is he gonna get got by somebody else? Right? Like mm-hmm. for example, the Lakers. Let's just throw the Lakers out there. They're a team that's desperate for talent. Russ is gonna be gone this year. He's off their books. Um, they're not gonna finish in a great position. They're not a great team. Mm. I don't know if they'd be looking at OG, but maybe they are. And now they've got money and maybe somebody gets some assets back. Like some of that stuff, you just have to look around the league and say, Is is are more teams in the offseason gonna be able to outdo you with assets?
1: And do you burn front?
2: And versus like you you get it now because you know you get him now, right? Josh is going to probably eventually leave. You don't want to lose Josh Hart for nothing. And so you kind of just have to. I I don't know how to gauge this. It's tough because I can see other teams overpaying and outpaying for a guy like OG and Portland being like, damn, we missed our shot to get OG to this team. And who else is available? I don't know. But it's it's hard to find a better fit, I think, for what Portland needs than a six seven three.
1: What's interesting is, and I don't know if you intentionally did this or not, is that that opening is there because of how wide open the the NBA is right now. Yeah. If you're if you're a remotely hell if you're Portland, you can talk yourself into a second round playoff run, right now. Sure. Sure. With things go your way, listen. Do I think that's likely? Like that's that's above fifty percent? No. I give this team a puncher's chance in the first round, hundred percent. But I think they're coming up just short in the second round.
2: I mean right now they would take on Denver in round 1. Now you would you see Jokic. Yeah, and and you've beat them and
1: they you know beat Jokic the, it's been back and forth.
2: Jokic just had a monster <clears throat> night tonight but like yeah,
1: 40 27 and 10.
2: Every Jesus. single one of those games uh, as I mentioned before if you're going to go to a basketball game, go to Denver Portland. They're always good basketball yeah. games. That's a puncher's chance. So, yeah, to your they, point they throw, throw
1: and inobi into that into that roster. Wow, how do the scales tip?
2: Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
1: I'm just saying like I look at that, you, you, you're you're losing the, the star matchup of the bigs. Jokic wins mm-hmm. that. You're winning the star matchup of the point guards. Jeremy and AG, different styles. I think you can make an argument either way. Porter OG, I think you can make an argument either way. Ant and KCP, I mean, I'm, I'm giving that to Ant by miles. I, I think that's a Portland series. Because right now, what Denver's issue is, they don't have any, dem- any, any depth. Yeah. You get GP two back. You you get um, Watford. You get Eubanks. You get. You still need one more guy off the bench as a shooter. That's really what this comes down to. Mm-hmm. But like again, I, I that team going into the second round, I I wouldn't bat an eye at that. And again, beyond that, I don't think they'd be done going into this summer. Because the one thing, like let's just, let's step take a step back and frame this all up. Everybody keeps talking about the tax and repeater tax and all that kind of stuff. And yes, it's, it's important in the sense of billionaires spending money and whether or not they will or they won't. I've been told that they would be willing to for the right guy to start the clock earlier. Now, I'll believe it when I see it, number one. Number two, they're in the tax next year, no matter what. Barring stripping this thing down to nothing. Dame's contract, Ant's contract, Jeremy's contract, Nurk's Nurks. contract—they are—they're there, they're already there. So this whole idea about well, I don't know if they'll be in the tax. No, they're gonna be in the tax. It's just a matter of how much. So they're gonna spend money and they're gonna have a competitor.
2: What's what's your asset? So then let me—if if if you go after OG and you say what's your asset pool after that? What's your asset pool after that? And I think that's the tough thing to gauge. You would multiple have multiple firsts and Josh and what are you going
1: with after? One first and nurk. Yeah. Plus your your taxpayer Emily. Uh, you're, you're up against it. And that's and that's and that's the thing. Like Joe's done a tremendous job. Okay, so as of right now, they have flipped CJ Nance, Cove, Norm for what? Jeremy? Josh, Josh,
2: Shaden,
1: Shaden. Uh, I I'm think that's it. Yeah, flipping. Up, I'm drawing a black here. Anyways, yeah. and the oh, and and they, and they paid Ant to take that. Loan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's damn near wizard magic. <laughs> no, like, it's a great trade. Like it's getting it, the, the way they balance things. This that actually wasn't the hard part. This is the hard part. This is actually the hard part, is getting that next step. Mm-hmm. I don't think trading CJ was ever hard. It was hard for Neil. But doing that to free things up... Oh, Keon and Justice were also in that, in that deal, I should say. As yeah. As far as getting guys in. <clears throat> but that's... Now is the, the, the difficult step. And to your point, exactly... Do you go in here on OG or do you stand pat and hopefully maybe you can get it for a little bit less? I don't know. Maybe you go a completely different route. Maybe you go down the route of Lowry, Markkinen and and, um, Vando. You go two for one. If I gave you the option of the same same deal, one for OG or one for Vando and Markkinen.
2: Um, <laughs> boy, I think I want marketing and Bando,
1: and I can see that argument. You'd, you'd have to yeah. give it, you'd have to give it more for those guys, but sure. I'm just saying in general.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: More as a thought exercise.
2: Yeah, it's uh, this is where I don't envy Joe, but I I have a hard time thinking of you making a better lineup than that that starting lineup. It's the thing that would suck is you'd have to, I mean, you're flexing in unless something comes, you know, available that you don't expect.
1: Which is the probably, NBA in a nutshell.
2: Yeah, but I would say right now, based on the asset pool, you're probably running that back Nurk. But that's still a lineup that's like, holy crap, Damant, OG, Jeremy, and Nurk, that's...
1: And realistically, you're probably looking to swap Nurk for a guy that can play more, more multiple uh, uh, coverages.
2: I mean, yeah, you're you're. I think you're always looking, but who is that that's going to be available? I think that's a tough thing for them.
1: Yeah, that's why it's. And that's I, it's, it's always difficult.
2: What would you What would you wager on? Because I've been I, I've been battling this, man. I've been thinking about this. Is he going to go all in during the season, and say the West can be won? I or... don't
1: think that'll be the case in the sense of the West can be won. Sure, I more I, yeah. about the case of. I think that they're looking at 2023-24. But I don't yeah, I don't have a doubt. But can they get a little cachet this year too? That'd be in a in a calendar year to be able to flip to do what they do, that I mean, he would gladly put that feather in his cap. But yeah. I don't think it means that much to them. Hmm. Like I said, asking around the organization all summer, what do you think, like what is the goal of this team? Like what what do you really want to do? And the same thing that I got back from everyone was some version of We just want to know who we are. We want to establish our identity, our brand of basketball, our culture. And it's hard to do that. It's very hard to do that. While also saying, you know, not that winning isn't important because it's very important, but it was not about winning X amount of games or making the playoffs. Like if they did, if they made their culture change and they somehow finished like 39 wins or hell, 42 wins and they missed the playoffs. I don't think they would call this season a loss. I really right. don't.
2: But they're in a position to me where they're just, I look at them as a playoff team now. So yeah. let's say let's say hypothetically they get OG. They go mm. in and they say, you know what? It's worth making this move because we want this lineup. He comes over here, takes a few games. They start kind of figuring it out, who goes where, whose role is what. Use the rest of the season for that. Use the rest of the season. And then you go to the playoffs. And then ideally what I would say is, your goal in that point would be get out of round one, see what happens in round two, maybe the odds because of depth, lack of size, whatever you want to say, you get eliminated in a close round two. I actually you can make an argument that's probably the best case scenario because now you go into an off season, you've got OG already here, you've got a starting lineup already established, and I think what we're seeing more in this league, not that Portland's this destination city, it you never might, has you been. You might get a ring chaser or two. But you might get a couple guys that look at it the way Jeremy did and said, Dame's a cool cat, Ant's an up-and-coming guy, Jeremy was an all-star, OG fit in really well. That team hooping. could hooping, I like Chauncey. Shaden's hooping, Chauncey can relate to me. This is a two-players-away team from maybe making this thing really interesting in 2023. There is an argument to be made that that's maybe the approach, that you go in, you get him now, you don't F around in the offseason, you see what you do. And whatever you build, you hope that it resonates with other players that are actually productive and helpful. And that's all and you maybe can do. Maybe want to help with you. Yeah, so all, all you can
1: truth. do is, is when you're Portland's control, what you can control. Yes, and I think the Blazers have done a good job of putting themselves in a position to be able to be ready for a team to, you know, pull that Buck Williams trade out of thin air.
2: I also think it's I think it's kind of a perfect time too for them, where the front office, the coach the star, are all three kind of, a yeah, it's yeah. a trident of. Yeah, they're aligned. Play A lot of players in the league would trust the trident. And, and not that Neil never had anybody get here. Not that he didn't have guys say, oh, yeah, I like Neil. But you know what I mean? Like, there's a vibe there. And I think that they've kind of hit that restart button. And I think that's kind of what they got going for him right now.
1: It'll be interesting. To see kind of where that ends up going, and it's something I you know I want to talk to guys about when they get back from this road trip, just kind of an understanding of. <clears throat> I, I've talked to a few people, in, both in and out of the organization, about Josh Hart, and the one running theme has been nobody envies Joe. Yeah, in the sense of because every team wants a Josh Hart, but that's the problem is that every team wants a Josh Hart. He's also he's simultaneously like your most like my precious. That you want to keep asset, but also it's the one thing that every team's out there like I I want one of those, and yeah. it's it's really a it's it's really gonna be a lose lose scenario. Even if they make the trade that they want and they're successful, you're gonna be disappointed that you lose Josh Hart, and if you keep Josh Hart, you're gonna be disappointed that you didn't get the other thing that you 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 really wanted, even though you really want Josh Hart too. It, it's yeah. it's a is very few players in the league I think outside of stars. That kind of meet that line. Sure. It's it's very interesting.
2: Well, I I think that the tough thing with the Josh Hart stuff is you could basically, if you wanted to when they get back, you could be Brian Windhorst. You could literally go to the locker room and you could say, it's going to be awkward when you get traded, isn't it? (laughs) Sorry not to break this to you, Josh, but you're definitely the guy that's getting traded. I don't know if you take that the way Danny Green took that on live television, but, uh, you know, it'd kind of be great if you did.
1: Listen, all I know is I'm not doing it with his shirt off again.
2: I, I don't know if people would be mad if you did. that. Uh, no, that's the problem,
1: did. is that nobody was mad. That's the problem, okay?
2: Nobody heard anything that guy said in that video. No, nobody did. No.
1: All I heard was lotioning and oiling, oiling and lotioning.
2: Uh, yeah, Yes, yeah. yes, squints. That's exactly what you did.
1: <laughs> all right, let's dive into some of the questions here. Uh, at Nerd Runner, most really good defensive teams tend to have a disruptive, weak side rim protective type at the four. Triple J, Rob Williams, Draybon, Giannis. I know Vando kind of profiles the same. Who else caught your eye around the league poised uh, for a breakout in that role? Someone like Garuba. Uh, number one, Triple J is really like he's a center. Same with, with Rob Williams, Time Lord. Trayvon, Draybon's oh, right, yeah. a four. Like mm-hmm. that's that one I'll go with. Cove kind of fits in that in that role. Grant can fit in that role. Um, but it's it's a okay, in how I view holistically basketball like resources. Superstar scores. It's the most valuable resource in the NBA. Everybody talks about, well, you want two-way players that superstar scores are the most valuable resource in the NBA. Then the two-way stars. And I put superstar scores that are two-way stars on the superstar scores list. So a guy like Giannis. That's your superstar score. LeBron Mm -hmm. in his prime. Like, those guys, you can squint and put Jokic up there. I think his defense has fallen off tremendously, but regardless. Yeah. Two-way guy, Pascal Siakam. Like, absolute stud. Is he a transcendent scorer who's just going to crush you? Mm. Great playmaker. But those are those kind of guys. Ben Simmons, when he was kind of not, eh. I think would have been another one of those guys. Then you get starting into your high, high, high level starting role players. And that's your Jeremy grants. Like he's not a star, but I I think people take the idea of role player the wrong way. Like they can do a lot. OG is on this level. Like those are the kind of guys that I think make, once you get your superstar score and the Blazers might have two of them, uh, they have one for sure. And another one cooking, if they can get two of those high-level role players, near stars, then you're you're cooking with gas. Because if you look at, like, let's take a look at a guy like Triple J Memphis when they're healthy, Ja, Jaron, Bain, they are one step away. Because Brooks is not that guy. As much as everybody likes Culture Brooks, he will absolutely torpedo a game for them regularly. I there's very few players in the NBA I trust less than Dylan Brooks,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but they get one guy. Let's say Aldama it ends up kind of getting a little bit better. Uh, uh, Roddy gets a little bit better. Like the 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 fringe role players level up a little bit, and you can shake something up. And they can get one more player. They're an NBA title favorite. I
2: like mean, that's, that's a French that's a franchise, Danny, that values their draft picks so much that they don't even think they want to trade it. They might yeah. just want to sit on it because they can pick so well.
1: Yeah, because they just keep hitting home runs. Yes, but. Like, they're, they're, I think they're one move away as far as that. But as far as, like, getting one of those guys for Portland, yeah. Yeah, I, I think Portland would do great in that. But here's the flip side. Does it need to be at the four? Not necessarily, because I think Grant's such a good defender overall. Does he profile as, as this fantastic help defender? No. He profiles as a really good one, though. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the thing about Jeremy. We talked about this the other uh, Actually, we talked about this during the, the film breakdown session. Jeremy's just kind of really good at everything. He's not singularly great as this weak side. Like, Cov, not good at the point of attack at all. Slider all the way to weak side. Like, the the, the weak side is, is, is pegged at 100. Yeah. Like, that's what he does. Jeremy can take on wings. He can take on guards. He can be a weak side guy. He can be a help side guy. He can be disruptive in passing lanes. He can be all those things. Vando, I think, profiles as another one of those guys. And I think I would rather have another very toolsy guy like Vando defensively, who's not one way or the other. Yeah. Cause it allows you to be more switchable. allows you to be more multiple allows you to be more versatile than I think having now, listen, if you give me a world where if I could swap Nurk for Jaron Jackson jr. Yeah. I'm going to do that. <laughs> like Jared's one of my favorite players in the league. Sure. Um, but I don't think it's necessarily something that they need to do that as far as getting that weak side help guy. I just want more multiple six foot eight kind of defenders.
2: I mean, I just want Vando. Yeah. Of, of all the names that have been thrown out so far, it's, I mean, that's to me, it's Vando. Number one clears day. Really? Yeah. Because right now, like we don't, I think we need to wait a little bit more on Toronto. If Toronto, you know, it comes out more and more. Not that KOC is somebody who's going to throw out information, but um, I think the more we hear about Toronto, then, okay, I'll change. But right now, I mean, throw out, throw out three names that you've really heard with Portland. There's not a whole lot. There's really not – it's not as deep yet. I think it will get deeper as teams get closer and closer to the trade deadline. But right now, of the bigs, of the of the options presented, you need you need defensive help. We talked about at the top yeah. of the pod. This team has slipped defensively in a big way. And so uh, I'm kind of with you. It's more about the IQ – it's the intangible stuff that you can provide, and I think somebody like Vando would be able to do that for them defensively.
1: Vando, I think, if you're talking about the, the player that makes the most sense, it's the most readily attainable is, is is the guy. Yeah. But at the same time, every team wants a Vando, like they want a chart, like they want an OG, because each one of those guys kind of has their, their own little unique thing, right? With Vando, the question with him is shooting, and I mean it was kind of funny the, the Utah game. Um, he what he hit four threes, four quarter threes on Nurk.
3: Um,
1: yeah on the season, he's actually, what's he, he shooting? He's actually shooting 39%, but it's only one attempt a game.
2: Yeah. So it's Nurkic like numbers. Yes. <laughs> is
1: this the development of Vanderbilt being a shooter? So again, we've talked about, um, I, I had Vando and, and, and Bamba at the same, uh, hoop summit and Gary Trent jr. It was loaded. Mm-hmm. And it's funny is those are the three players I came out of that hoop summit going, those are the three guys I like the most. And I talked to Vando probably three times that week. Number one, Amazing dude. Just a wonderful human being. Think of uh, Greg Brown, but in like small forward form. (laughs) Just happy as a clam. Uh, Yeah. But Vando, even then, before a a day of college basketball, showed a level and and a knowledge of complexity in basketball as a playmaker that you don't see in kids. And you're seeing that in Utah how the ball doesn't stick, how he just keeps things going. He's only averaging, like, three assists a game. Yeah. But he works as this wonderful pivot man. He's, he's averaging, like, what, eight, eight and three. Nothing that, like, blows your mind. But then you think, like, that's, like, what Josh Hart is averaging right now. That's literally what Josh Hart is averaging right now. So, do you ha- if you have the opportunity to go get, like, a bigger, longer, maybe more versatile Josh Hart in the sense of defensively, because Josh yeah. is better, you know, put the ball down, and transition, all those kind of things. And he's making what, like four point three billion, I think, on his rookie deal. It allows you to be more multiple, uh, on your in your asset breakdown as well. Vando's definitely a dude. Like yeah. uh, I I I don't think there's a world that exists where you look at Vando and go, hmm, I don't know.
2: I'd be stunned if Joe had hadn't or is not gonna make a phone call.
1: I would strongly, strongly argue that a, a, a discussion has been had. Okay. I, I, I don't see Joe as a guy that would miss that opportunity.
2: Joe's not going to overlook that. Yeah.
1: No, no, no. Um, I'm trying to find the question earlier and I, cause I wanted to make sure we got it. Um, and somebody asked and forgive me. Cause I, I can't find it right now. It looks like it disappeared. Um, Christmas ham or Turkey.
2: Um, I'm actually, I'm going to go ham here. Uh, you know, a good turkey is done well. You put an S ton of butter all inside the skin. But yeah, I think ham is more versatile. Ham sandwiches, Denver omelets, uh, leftover ham in general, cold ham, hot ham. Look at yeah. us. I'm going to take ham.
1: Look at us. Who would have thought?
2: Yeah. Who would have huh? thought, right? You want ham? You want oh, ham? Yeah. Hell yeah. Team ham
1: all day, baby. Cause I take that's a little. B- I take a little bit of that ham? Carve it up. You damn right. There's some eggs Benedict going.
2: See, that's another one. My wife loves Ooh, eggs Benedict.
1: I lit. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna share a little gluttony that I, yeah. I had the other day. I my wife and I were doing some uh, Christmas shopping uh, mm-hmm. at Washington Square yesterday. Wrapping up some stuff, and I got some Cheesecake Factory to go. I hadn't eaten all day, and mm. they have a um, eggs Benedict. And this is gonna this is gonna def- blow some minds here that was eggs Benedict on top of fried chicken on top of Belgian waffles was that good so number one I did not use any syrup yeah I don't think you can because you got the just just the Holland right yep yeah it was incredible really it was incredible hmm it was a lot
2: I just ate at that restaurant and my order was not great
1: <laughs> oh really.
2: Yeah, it was not. good. Oh, I know to see it's. It. There's nothing worse than when you know a, a chain gets ruined because of a meal.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's never not fair. Better. The I wife know. looked at me when I said, "I think I'm gonna get this." She's like, "Are you sure? Are you sure?" I was like, "Yeah, got to do I it." I love that she she
2: probably asked you that question knowing what the answer still was.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I mean this it was a hundred percent a last meal type meal. I mean, there's. It was ridiculous.
2: Look, I I like a good, I like a good bird, but I'm just not a big turkey guy. Like, I I like a turkey sandwich. I'm not really big on like turkey as the main meat. Give me ham. Give me steaks. Um, you know, gotta have some juice. Yeah, I I need a little bit more, and turkey just doesn't always do it for me.
1: Listen, I'm Team Turkey. Like, turkey's my lunch meat of choice on a regular. Yeah, but but for we're talking about cooking a whole something. Yes. Prime rib, ham. That's that's the way we're gonna go. All right. Back to basketball. Uh, at Coker underscore Mark size. We need size. Who out there best fits this team? John Collins, DeAndre uh, DeAndre Ayton, <laughs> not 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 DeAndre Jordan, <laughs> Miles Turner, or some other. I am running back and forth in my mind and who I talk to about how effective or willing or able or what is going to happen with Yusuf Nurkic. I don't know. I just, I don't know where they fall. And I don't see that as a necessarily a bad thing because I personally, I believe that they will find a way to improve that position and get a guy there who makes more sense. Mm-hmm. It's not that Nurk's a bad player. We've seen for the last couple of weeks. He's in fact, he's vastly improved over what we saw over the first month and a half in the season. But we've also seen limitations, the Denver game. I mean, they forgive me. The Denver, the Dallas game. Christian Wood just abused him. He bent him over his knee and spanked him. Yeah, over and over and over, and they didn't have an answer. They went with Eubanks, and it's good as you, shout out Zach Lowe, who gave uh, Drew Eubanks the, a little one, a little bit of love this week on his ten things he loves, mm-hmm. talking about how effective Eubanks has been in switches, and that's a credit to Chauncey because I want to, I'm gonna, I think I think it was Krishna Krishna Narso who on Twitter um, follow him. He's very smart. Um, who had a data viz talking about multiplicity of sets, basically how effective Drew Eubanks is, whether it's at the level, in drop, on blitzes, in traps, on switches. Like He is the center quite literally involved in more variable actions as a big than any other big in the league. And to do so and still be effective, because Nurk was, was pretty high on the list but significantly lower in Eubank, than Eubanks. And the effectiveness, UL, we've seen kind of how that works. You get him above the free throw line. The, the further you get him away from the free throw line in the paint, the less effective he becomes. Yeah. Um, and it's not like Drew is um, incredible there, but he's proved very valuable at, at times, which is why you hear the Blazers linked with a team like the Pistons and Nerlens do well. Because Nerlens is a seven footer who can still move well. Now, is that the guy, I think that the question becomes, can the Blazers shift their, their salary structure and their team structure through one through four and get by with a more limited center who fits what I've in the past called siloed? Mm-hmm. They have X, Y, and Z as their role. Think you Clint Capella's of the world or New Noel's. As as great as it would be to have a Miles Turner, can you get by with a Daniel Tice? Because instead you're going to play small ball most of your games. Yeah, yeah. Like that's – DeAndre Ayton's at one side at $30 million. Do you you find a guy who's a little bit less
2: healthy? Is it it a position – is that position specifically is what you're asking? Do
1: you want to pour money into
2: yeah, is it is it a spot you really need to, or you can, can you get by with certain guys and fill in the gaps in other places,
1: and be better everywhere else? And that's
2: I I tend to I tend to want you know athleticism, switchability, speed, but I I also to answer Mark's question, I, I, I'm gonna go Miles here. Now look, Aiton, we're big team Aiton guys here. We we have yes. been. Some people don't subscribe to that. That's fine. But when I think of this team and I think of, like, actual possibilities, it makes no sense for me why Phoenix would want Yusuf Nurkic over Deion Ray. That's not the problem. Uh, Indiana is in a weird spot where they're kind of in this, like, slow rebuild slash take on some money to have contracts. Mm-hmm. And Miles would make a ton of sense fit-wise. I think likes the guys here, which is why you saw so much hostility between him and Nurk the last time they played. Um, so I, I think to answer the question... If you were to focus on going big and not saying, hey, can we get by and then focus in other spots? I'd go miles because I think it's the I think it's the most obtainable spot uh, of those three players.
1: Do you roll the dice and go with somebody like Mitchell Robinson, who's a little crazy, but he also has a, a contract like Aaron Gordons. It's a declining deal.
2: You just have to tell yourself that you're gonna have matchups and games where you're just you're getting beat. But you already kind of have that anyway, right? Like when I go into a Denver game as a Blazer fan, I'm like, "Well, Jokic is going to do X, Y, and Z. Jokic is going to have the better night here. Like that's just what it's going to what it, what it's going to be and what it is."
1: Yeah. So, who best fits this team? It depends on what path they ultimately go. If it's you know dumping money into the position, mm-hmm. you go bigger name. I've I've had a few people ask me around the league lately. Do you do you think Portland would be interested in John Collins and play him as like a five? I was like, I think they would need to go get somebody like a Nerlens Noel, like a Daniel Theis, like somebody who would, who could eat up minutes. Because I don't know if you want Collins playing 82 games at center.
2: Yeah. That's That's probably uh,
1: asking too much. Yeah. But, hmm. It's all right. Uh, This is Julio Cantu. At Julio Cantu, if the NBA had gotten it right, the Blazers would be playing this Christmas. No, they wouldn't. Don't you put that devil on me, Ricky Bobby. If you were able to schedule a game, who would you have them playing? I've worked Christmas games. I have been up until 1 o'clock in the morning doing post games. No, thank you. But, it is fun to watch the team on Christmas, especially if they get an early day game. Who would you want them playing on Christmas, Mr. Sprigg?
2: um well you have to think of this two ways do you want the aesthetic or do you want the best matchup what are you looking for here
1: it's your it's your it's your soapbox buddy
2: well i think if you're going aesthetic you 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 want to do like a milwaukee a boston you get the green the The red red you know okay that's what was always fun about seattle portland aside from the Mm. rivalry stuff itself was you got the green and the red uh if i'm going actual game wise I, i i either want golden state or i want denver because I think one game is definitely going to give you a great one. And if Golden State comes up here, now I know Golden State circumstances this year are a little different uh, because of what Steph's injury is, but like if I'm to choose and teams are healthy, yeah, I'd go I'd go Denver, Golden State, or I'd go Milwaukee, Boston, so I get the, the green and red aesthetic.
1: I'd go weird and I, I I would go Denver would definitely be on the list. Number one, I'd want it to be a West Coast matchup. Or not West Coast, but Western Conference.
2: I tend to believe that, yeah.
1: And I would want one of Denver, Sacramento, or Dallas.
2: Dallas coming in with the Green Uni. I see where you're going with that. Yeah. Not just
1: that. like It's been a back-and-forth affair. There's Luke. a
2: bit of hostility with these two teams. There
1: is. Yeah. Sacramento, no matter what's going on with that team, has been a tight game for seemingly the last 10 years. I don't know why. I don't know how. It just has been.
2: We've hated Dallas since we gave Yogi Ferrell a contract.
1: There you go. 30 points, baby. Yes. Um, but I think that's th- that's the way I would want to go. And I think that's where I want to go with here. It, it transitioned from uh, Christmas, but to Dallas on the road trip. I had a truckload of people text me, DM me, tweet at me following the Dallas game. This is unacceptable. This is failure. They need to be punished for this. This is this is a team that can't make the playoffs. Da, 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 da. Where do you fall on the great win versus bad loss, what they mean in a season?
2: Uh, great wins, I think, can help build what you're trying to establish. Now, bad losses, if your bad losses are coming against, you know, playoff quality opponents, and often, I think it's a red flag. I think if you get one bad loss, let's call it the Dallas game. I think you obviously point to where their weaknesses were and where they failed. Uh, But I think overall, we talked about this on the live watch party for Houston. Uh, Ultimately, sometimes you just got to tip your cap and say that team got hot. I mean, that was the Christian Wood, Spencer Dinwiddie show. If you go look at those two guys' stats the previous couple games, they were struggling offensively. That was not a unit coming into that game um that was doing a whole lot and so i think that game surprised everybody and yeah it's not great i don't know you need to fire everybody we can talk about the defense and the defense's problems but that was kind of a that was one of those nights in the nba you see from time to time where the other team is just hot and there's nothing you're gonna do about it
1: i think every year every team in the nba has one team that gives them hell and i think that year right now for portland or that team is dallas they don't have a great answer for what Dallas proposes, which is number one, Luca. They have nobody to guard Luca. Like, listen, I love Jeremy, and he does what he can, but this is where a guy like OG matters. Yeah. Is, and again, I've mentioned this before. There's like five, six guys in the league physically who can handle Luca. He's just a load.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: He's 270 pounds, and he's pound, he's so bleeping strong, I cannot drive home how strong he is. Yes, he does all the flopping and flailing, but you know what you, you know what you see behind him—a path of carnage on the way to the rim. You ever seen anybody stop Luca from getting to the rim when he wants to? No. You ever seen ever seen, seen anybody stood him up? No. He's a truck, and as strong as Jeremy is, he's not on that weight class. OG is about as close as you get until you get into like the Giannis types, the Kawhi types. Like you got to be heavy in the ass. You got to have an anchor. To handle that dude. And the Blazers just don't have that guy. To be fair, most guys in the league, most teams in the league don't have that guy. And they've got a stretch big who, what's funny is, Christian Wood, his one thing that cripples Portland, other teams have a little bit of an answer for. But a, a fat, he's he's too, this, this is Jason's kid's problem. He's not big enough to be a five for them, really. Yep. But he's too fast and too athletic for them to, like, not play him as a five. And he's not really kind of a four because he doesn't really do four-y things because he wants to get downhill so much. <clears throat> but that exact prototype, that that model, is what kills Portland. Having that, that fleet of foot. Yeah. And so you've got these two things that are just working against them violently. The first game, I think Spencer Dinwiddie hitting threes just kind of screwed them.
2: But well, I I think you know I think the big part, the reason you probably heard a lot of noise from it, was the outcome, because there, we can't refute the fact that the numbers show that defensively <clears throat> they've fallen off a cliff. Oh, well, they got crushed in that game but, too. But the difference was they were able to prevail because their offense is so damn good in all these other games, right? Mm-hmm. Minnesota, for example, they're behind in that one. They come back, they win. They blow them out in the second game. Denver, they're up big. They let that one get away from Like, you're only hearing noise when the outcome ends up in an L. And I'm not saying you shouldn't hear noise. I'm just saying, like, even in their wins, their defense is not been great, but their offense or Dame or Ant or whoever ends up kind of pulling it out and playing great. And you're not going to hear as much in those nights. So I think ultimately what it boils down to is their defense has not played well. They've taken a major step back from where they were. And when you end up losing a game and getting absolutely bludgeoned in the second half, people are going to get pissed. Now, should you fire people? Is it panic mode? No. As you mentioned, is a tough matchup for them. They don't have anybody to put on him. Um, but I, I think it more is geared towards Danny. The frustrations with the defense. Mm-hmm. And then when the defense doesn't play well and the offense doesn't have it, yeah, you're gonna have bad nights.
1: So what's interesting about this is do you know where Portland ranks currently in the last two weeks, offensively and defensively?
2: Offensively, I would say the top six um number one. Okay. I'm just I'm saying a top whatever, a bottom mm-hmm. whatever. And number one say,
1: by a substantial margin.
2: And I would say defensively they're in the bottom five.
1: They're fourteenth. Really, fourteenth. Interesting. They're first at one twenty four point six. Fourteenth at one fifteen.
2: Hmm.
1: But the flip side of that is the league defense has ballooned over the last two weeks because scoring the bleepy bleeping Timberwolves scored one hundred and fifty points tonight.
2: I mean, you had 119, 115. You had 150, 126, 126, 110, I don't know what's going on. on. I've, I mean,
1: I've never seen anything are, like
2: this. Teams are amazing. I mean, we have. Well, I, I said this during the Dallas game. This is the greatest talent the league's ever had.
1: And it's, they might need to put hand checking back in the league. I'm not even kidding.
2: Bring like, these scores down a little bit.
1: These, I mean, this is getting
2: obscene. So it's a byproduct to you of this is more a league problem more than
1: a Portland problem? Both. Offenses right now are just, I mean, I, I can't remember the last time I saw offenses like this around the league. Brandon, in the last two weeks, Portland's offense is number one. It's 124.6.
2: It's unbelievable.
1: Number one on the season is Boston. This world-class offense is at 118.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Six more points per hundred possession is a the difference between one and seventeen. No, excuse me, one and nineteen is the difference between Boston's number one ranking in the season and Portland's number one ranking right now. Mm-hmm. Like that's a that's an enormous shift. That's just I don't know. It's a it's a crazy 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 place to be. But when I look at games like that. More often than not, I'm a bigger proponent of burning the game tape when it gets that bad. There's stuff for, there's stuff you can learn, there's stuff you can figure out. There's certain things you can look at. Mm -hmm. Like that, it's not hard. But I don't know where you start in that meeting. Especially on a back-to-back. Like you're just trying to flush it and go. You know what I mean? Yeah. Some people see that one way; some people see it another. I just in the over the course of 82 games, pretty much every team. It's not a, a world class like you know cranking out titles type of team has two of those a season. It just happens.
2: I, I yeah. I mean, I'm not. I, I don't need to reflect very much on the Dallas game. Like those yeah. are just going to happen. That's what the league is for 82 games. I think my thing is more. Um, you know, I was expecting a bit of a fall off. I'm I'm not surprised that they're lacking in certain areas. They still haven't gotten their best perimeter defender out yet. Uh we'll see if he comes back in two weeks or if that's another two weeks. Exactly. Let's pray to baby Jis and we'll see what happens with him. But like also a little limited here. I mean, there's obvious roster holes, and yep. I, I think some of those things have come to rear their ugly head. And I think for the most part, look, the league is going crazy right now offensively, but until they get their full core guys back, until they you know make a move and and actually help themselves defensively, I think this is kind of who you're going to be. It's like, hey, we're just going to outscore you. We're not going to stop you. We're just we, our thing is we're going to outscore you. With and no they'll one play, they'll play, play
1: enough defense. I think that's the thing is like they'll play enough.
2: Sure. If 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 you look where are they at right now? Hold on a second. On I the just season, the twenty. 24th on the season, last two weeks, 14th. So, you know, th- there's a give and take somewhere in there. And I, you know. Like, are, are that, they are they 17th or 18th? Yeah, that's probably where they are. And somebody had said, I think this is a question, and I, I don't want to get ahead, but, like, somebody said, you know, when GB comes back, what's that defense do? You know, that's I think it gets slightly – I, I think it gets better, but, like, I'm not going to act like it's going to jump to – Top, you know, top ten. If it does, great. But I, I don't think I'm having that kind of expectation.
1: It's not going to jump that much, but it will. No. Ju- and here's the thing: like talking to people in the organization, GP's not going to play a ton of minutes when he gets back. It's going to start. He's going to be on minutes restriction of like twelve or fifteen when he first gets back. Like he's not playing a ton. Yeah. You got to work him in. You got to figure out the rotation. Things are going to change. Like, but is he going to help? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is he, like if. Jamal Murray, who you contained in the first half of the Denver game, starts cooking in the second half. Yeah. GP. (laughs) Sick him.
0: Right,
2: right.
1: Go wear his ass down for the next 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Do I think that we'll see a chance of of a lineup of either Dame or Ant and Josh, GP, uh, Jeremy on the floor at the same time? And Justice. Yeah, I do.
2: Yep. Yep. And
1: that's going to be a team that's like, you're sitting there going, God damn, that team's, It's, that's a lot to play against. Got four-plus defenders. Most teams can't throw four-plus defenders on the floor. They can't. And be that switchable, be that flexible. We haven't had the opportunity to even see what that looks like here yet.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think that's, again, part of the, the problem for Joe is he hasn't seen what that looks like yet and how much he needs to lean into one thing or another. I, I think he has a pretty good idea. He's a, he's a smart guy as yeah. far as where they'd be. Um, but do I think that they, they move their, let's say their league average defense is like 18. Do I think that they're closer to 15 or 16 with Gary? Yeah. I think if you, you if they, I think if things start to make a little bit more sense, yeah, I th- I think they can get there. I think they can be right around league average while having this offense.
2: When I think, I think if you go back, that was kind of the expectation, was it not? Be middle, yeah. middle of the road, league defensively, top
1: three offense, middle league defense, yeah. and then try to figure out what you, where and when you could compete and change things and kind of figure things out. Like, that's kind of a good spot to be in, right? You're mm-hmm. you're not that far away at that point. Yeah. Um. I thought this is a really good question for John at PNW Sports five hundred three. Do you think Shaden is currently impacting winning, neutral or negative?
2: Um, I would lean neutral cause I think he's had good moments in wins and I think he's had rookie moments in so I, I have, yeah, I'd go neutral.
1: I would too, which I think is actually significantly better. Thing. Yeah. Most, most rookies are negative. Well,
2: let's not lose, con- let, let's not lose the context here. Like nobody expected this dude to play more than 10 minutes a yeah. game and he, he instantly inserted it in their first game of the season and. He's had some great moments. He's had some rookie moments. I, I think overall he's not hurting you, and he's not necessarily the reason you're winning the games, but I think that's what you want from a an 18, 19-year-old kid.
1: I think what you're getting from him right now is he's probably taking a little too much like his profile, probably taking too much, too many pull-ups in the mid-range. But the fact that he's like got that in his bag, you're like, okay.
2: Yeah.
1: I'd like to see him probably take more threes, get away from some of the pull-ups, turn them into pull-up threes. That's what I mean. His rim percentage is incredible. Um, I yeah. think he's, last I looked, he's in the 81st percentile. Um, It's his finishing. And a lot of that has to do with consistency. Yeah. And Sh- Shaden's one of those players where he's got the ability to make the spectacular happen all the time. This innate ability, the micro skills thing, right? We talked about in the watch party. Mm-hmm. His ability to make adjustments is so transcendent. It's it's very, very, very difficult for him to not just be like, oh yeah, no, I could bail out on this and I can do this. Where I think his growth point is going to come from the consistency. When I watch him play, it's very much, it's, as soon as I see his feet, I can usually tell if the shot's going to go in or not, or like how, his, how his base looks when he receives the ball, Right, Whether, right, like his preparation behind everything that he's doing, and that's all rookie stuff.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think if that, that, that starts to click, that because even if he's teetering on the neutral, the negative, that's still better than the full negative, which is what again, like Jaden Ivy has been like bad for Detroit. But that's a bad team, and he doesn't have other guys to help lift him up. Yeah, what you're seeing with Shaden is you have other guys to help lift him up to bring him into the positive in the some games. To bring him into the neutral in some games because, uh, against Dallas, he had some bad defensive plays really
2: bad. Oh, yeah, he did. He got yanked.
1: like He did. And that's the ebb and flow of rookie. Like, that's how it goes. But I, I think neutral is a, a very good spot to be, don't you?
2: Well, yeah, I think that I think the team would take neutral if you t- asked him up that question.
1: Oh, to start season? the season? Oh, yeah. God, yeah. Yeah. Somebody asked here, uh, off topic Danny, how are you a Cardinals fan? I get this all the time. Uh, totally unrelated i'll throw it in there just because i like asking answering these every now and then uh first baseball game i went to was a dodgers cardinals game my whole family's dodgers fans so at Chavez- yeah,
2: how, how did you not choose the dodgers there
1: so ozzie smith um the wizard was doing backflips, came over the fence <laughs> played catch with little five-year-old me back oh and yeah forth, took a polaroid
2: wow polaroid back in the day hey if Ozzy Smith's doing that, it's going to be hard not to persuade a, a five-year-old to become so a fan of his. Toss me a ball. Yeah.
1: And I was a Cardinals fan of that day. So flash forward to Old Bush Stadium. Ozzy mm-hmm. Smith has, was having a signing day, and I was interviewing for a job with uh, Anheuser-Busch. This was 2008, I think. Uh-huh. And um, I tell him the story of how I became a Cardinals fan. And before I could finish, he told me everything. Like, he remembered every bit of it.
2: Oh, he remembered playing catch. Every bit of it. It's like, oh yeah, a little white kid. Bye yeah, but like,
1: what game it was, like when in the season, like he remembered everything. Wow. I literally walked over, grabbed the four hundred dollar, like a official, powder blue Aussie Smith jersey, and said, "Sign this." <laughs>
2: you so got I've, that's that's one you need to frame and be. No, it is. There, yeah, man. no, it's
1: it's it's ready to go into the studio when I move in. It's it's yeah.
2: That's an all timer.
1: Yeah, no, it is. But that's how I yeah. became a Cardinals fan. So there you go. Um it's always weird like you end up with all those things. My, my family's always like Cardinals. Well, at least it's not the Giants. Yeah,
2: touche or the Padres.
1: Right? Listen, man, go dads. I'm I'm all about it. Um as a potato GP, this is from uh at Bagels Uh how do you anticipate the Blazers using GP2? Three guard lineups or more small ball lineups? Yes. All of it. Yeah. That's that's what I anticipate is that Chauncey will be like, ooh, shiny new toy. Like, there's one thing I can say about Chauncey Billups so far is that he has not been unwilling to try stuff.
2: He's not beholden to any kind of lineup positional need. He just plays five guys that he feels is going to do best for him. He's been
1: willing to throw guys out there. And I've seen people say, well, he hasn't really thrown Jabari out there a ton or Greg out there a ton. You've seen why. Like, they're just not quite ready. Yeah. But at the same time, Trendon, over the last two weeks, has Trendon looked better and better?
2: I thought Trendon was like the only bright spot in the, from Dallas, the game. Dallas game. Yeah. yeah. I thought he was like their only takeaway. I'll say I, that's what I've liked about Chauncey a lot too, is his flexibility to say, you know what? I don't, I don't need a traditional four. I don't need a traditional three here. I'm going to run small ball five. And where Gary slots in with that, I think is going to be no different than what they've already been doing. Trendon is, uh, you know, Ant has had a nice run here too. Trendon's been a great story. I yes. think what Trendon's done the last few games, building some confidence for himself, He's figuring out where and how he kind of fits in with this team mm-hmm. and what works best for when he's out there. Um, I think that's somebody to keep watching the rest of this road trip to see how he finishes this thing off.
1: Knocking down some threes, yep. r- grabbing going on rebounds, getting them into the offense early aggressive,
2: getting some and ones, yep. finishing around the rim. Like that that's all been real encouraging. You can see so. the comfort growing. Yes. Yes. Uh,
1: a couple more chats here or questions here from the chat. Uh do you think they'll start trapping more on elite guards out of pick and roll coverages? And what do you think about the different zones? Three, two, two, one, two. Um, I think that as long as they have use of Nerkers on the floor, they will be less than totally aggressive on blitzing or trapping. Mm -hmm. I think situationally they will look to do some things to be more disruptive. Uh, I think you would have saw them try to deploy that against the Mavericks later in the game, but that game went so sideways in the third quarter that I just don't think it mattered. Maybe we'll see that against Denver. They'll have that opportunity against Jamal Murray. Um, the obviously the the caveat there is it's very very difficult to be aggressive with two players in the NBA. Number mm-hmm. one, LeBron James. Number two, Nikola Jokic. They're very big. They're savant like passers, and they see things before they happen. Actually, three. You could throw Luka in there as well.
2: I think Luca needs to be yeah. in there. No,
1: he is. Um, that's maybe WWE.
2: Giannis. I think Giannis is starting to get this. He's little bit. getting there, but he's not he's like not some, ahead. No, yeah. exactly. Yeah.
1: And that's where I think you can catch him every now and then if you come from behind. Um, Jokic, he just seems to have eyes in the back of his head. Luka's the same way. So you've got to be very, very careful about doing that kind of stuff. But if you try to blow up a pick-and-roll with Jamal Murray, but being a bit more aggressive, like if you had a GP two, yeah. Because I think you've got somebody with GP who's so strong, who's so dynamic, who's so aggressive that... Even the best ball handlers get a little flustered by him, and that buys you that split second. And if you watch the the film breakdown stuff, it's a, a shameless plug. You know, go in there and check it out. It's an hour and a half. I think it's only we only did like twelve plays, but we focused on the very, very, very little things and how quick they happen. A guy like Gary Payton, it's not that he's going to ultimately fix their defense. Is that he buys them a half a second by being aggressive, by causing hesitation, by being disruptive. And every half second you can buy is another step or two for somebody else to get back in position. So like that level of aggressiveness and those traps and those blitzes, I think those are effective and I think they could be there, but they also have to have the right guys to do them.
2: I think the exciting thing about GP is going back to his his college days at Oregon State, the one thing that I thought he was always so special on was they would run him full court. Just full court blitz, full court man, Mm -hmm. pick up, put pressure on. Full 94. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a full 94 like I think that's what Chauncey's definitely going to do. I know they'll be on minutes restriction, but, but I think where, that's the— But where's somebody's ass out? Absolutely, because that's what—he he knows what that—that's why he was brought here. Yeah, that's what he got paid and, for. And I think Chauncey's going to go right into it as soon as he's ready to get, to yeah. lace him up. I think he's just going to put the pressure on the ball handler uh, as soon as they get the ball in, and then hopefully maybe you trap him a couple times, do some different looks defensively, and, and try to cause some turnovers
3: for yourself.
1: Uh, as for the zones, the Blazers have actually gone away from the zone a little by little over the last couple games. Um, that's something I actually want to ask Chauncey about when they get back is that yeah. they, they have kind of gone away from that. But with them being on the road, I don't really have that opportunity. Um, but I like that they throw the zone in there to mix it up and kind of keep things fresh, um, especially coming out of timeout. If you show man, make them make think that you're picking up man and their set is designed to attack a man defense and all of a sudden that man is just a matchup zone and they're going, ah, shit. And now they're kind yeah. of scrambling at like 12 in the shot clock. Like, I, I like that. Chauncey's been pretty good about and, and effective in doing that. But we're, we're running a little bit long here, but I want, so I want to get out of here. Um, thank you guys for being here. I appreciate it. All the questions, everything. We will have a live watch party tomorrow, uh, Monday, as they take on the Oklahoma City Thunder. The Blazers are three games into their six game trip. They're two and one. Uh, they have an opportunity, obviously, to still go five and one. I think four and two is probably the more likely, but five and one, man, you get out of this. Let me be honest, you get out of this trip four and two, you're still stoked.
2: Uh, hopefully they don't get SGA twice.
1: Yeah. I mean, he has been playing out of his mind. Yeah. Out of his mind. He's he's. Somebody asked me the other day. I said, I had him in the top 10 and I was like, yeah, I would take him, I think over LeBron right now.
2: As I far can't as, like, wait for playing the best. I can't wait for Oklahoma city to get five more first round picks for him. <laughs> so they can, you know, he can tell us how many picks they have. So they
1: can keep going. Yeah. We need uh, to cash picks. It'll be fun. So, uh, yeah. obviously Damian Lillard has an opportunity to make history. We didn't really talk mm-hmm. about that. Here's taking on, uh, uh Clyde Drexler's all-time scoring record. Uh, it'll be cool. It'll um, – it should be interesting as we start – as he as they get ready to come home. So, uh, unless they're just in mind, yes, OKC's report port. SGA is out. I forgot. I, th- I think he'll be back for game two. Oh, is he out for the yes, first game? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, they're, they're sitting everybody. I don't know. There's something going on. Um,
2: Victor. <laughs> Victor's going on.
1: It'll be fun. But um, – We'll have the live watch party for the remainder of the road trip, uh, and then we'll kind of figure some stuff out post-Christmas. I'm efforting to see if we can get somebody from the road, whether that's uh, Travis Demers or Casey Holdall. Uh, Both those guys have said they want to check in from the road, so might grab one of them, and then we might do another playbook breakdown, and then it'll be Christmas time. Yeah It's crazy how quick It's going to be upon us So It's nuts uh, Like, rate, review, subscribe Help us grow the show You can find us on social media At Danny Morang At Brandon's Break, At Jack Ramsey you can Email the show Ramsey's At gmail.com You can find Brandon Every morning 6 to 9 With his co-host uh, Andy Dirt Johnson You can find me and my co-host Except for tomorrow Because Dusty's out And I'll be doing a solo show uh, Noon to 3 On 10 a. the fan as well uh, What days are you taking off?
2: Uh, after the 23rd I'm out till January New year? Okay
1: yeah. I only took the 23rd and 27th off because...
2: Oh, brother, you, you're well, going to learn a hard lesson. Well, no, Take the...
1: Well, no, I got... What? I'm, I got to have two weeks off for surgery, man. I, I'm not going to... Oh, touche. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. so I'm not going to make everybody try to cover for me too. Like I, got, I forgot about I'm that. I'm going to be a complete a-hole. Um, only, only minor, right? Um. But again, thank you, everybody. Like, rate, review, subscribe. If you're watching live or you're watching on the replay, please help us grow the show. Share us with your friends, share us with family. Talk about us, how much you love us, how much you hate us, uh, how much you want to argue with us and and throw things at us. uh, Wherever you watch us, we appreciate it either way. Uh, Take care. We'll catch you guys tomorrow night for the watch party. Uh, Until then, have a wonderful night. Mm, Bye.